Oh, thank you, Jim. You know, I'm just, I'm just so blessed to be part of the Ohio Ministry Network. I mean, I'm thankful that we have leaders that don't just, don't just sit behind a desk and, you know, just, just call the shots behind, behind a desk and a phone. I mean, Jim has been in, so involved in my life over the last 10 years that we've been missionaries. And so, I mean, as far as speaking into my life, encouraging me along the way, and I know he does that with all the other missionaries. And, and so I'm just so grateful to have that partnership. Um, you know, uh, before I get into this, I, I'll just share a little bit of my testimony so you got a little idea where I came from then. Um, born in Toledo, Ohio. Mom was a Buddhist. Dad was an ex-Catholic who hated church. And I, got, I was just always told, Zach, just be a good person and everything's going to be okay. Fifth grade, I got caught stealing. And so that night after I got caught stealing, my mom, I'm grounded. I'm sitting in, uh, I'm sitting in front of the TV, though, and I'm watching my favorite TV show, which was The Simpsons. And as I'm watching it, Bart Simpson, one of the main characters, he gets caught stealing. And so I'm thinking, oh, I'm laughing and laughing about it, going, I'm just like Bart. It's all right. But as it carries on, he goes to church, and the preacher in the episode points at him and says, you're going to hell because you broke one of the Ten Commandments. And I just went, I broke one of the Ten Commandments? I mean, I had no idea. And so I just thought, all right, um, you know, what am I going to do? And, and so this conviction sat in my heart for about three years to when I was in eighth grade. I was in my bedroom, suicidal, um, sitting on my computer with a knife to my head, thinking, all right, I'll just, I just need to get rid of my, I just need to do myself in. I don't need to be alive anymore. But I remember thinking, if I die right now, I know I'm not right with God because I broke one of those Ten Commandments. And so I went to the only resource I knew. I hopped on the internet and I Googled Jesus. And <laughs> up popped a website that told me how I could give my life to Christ. And so it was from that point, though, that, you know, I got to hear, I had friends that would share Jesus with me. And so that's how I knew to turn to at least search Jesus on Google. And it was by God's grace that it was two weeks later, a friend of mine at the school where I went, she just invited me to church and it happened to be an AG church in Perrysburg, Ohio. And so I've been a part of this organization from the very beginning when God set me free in my bedroom and led me to a friend that went to an AG church. And so I, before I get really into things, because I, I, I do want to talk a little bit about the history of the AG with missions before we jump into things, but I do want to see, are there any specific questions that you may have coming to this room, thinking about missions partnerships? Are there any specific questions you have that maybe I could try and touch on when I'm speaking Anything at all like that? Whatever might have drawn you here? Anything specific? Yeah. What can we do for you besides send money? Ah. Uh, <laughs> not just money. Okay. I'll remember that. <laughs> Anything else? shouldn't do (laughs) that's a good question what shouldn't we do all right yeah how can we help uh, youth or those that are Mm. called missions how do we project that i like that the youth okay are you a youth pastor no work with the youth i just want to see more missionaries even if you're not Saved and they feel that calling on their life. Cool. 
Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> All right. Good. Sorry. Uh, I love it. Anything else? Any other questions? And and I, as I'm speaking and as I'm sharing things, if something comes up, you know, hey, let's talk about it. I mean, it doesn't have to be confined to our 50 minutes today, but you know, if you want to talk at lunch, you know, and even at the end, we'll have a few moments to ask some more questions. And so I want to do my best to help cover those things and give you any kind of advice that I can along the way. Um, so let's do this. You know, it, it, I want to be able to help us all be able to, you know, continue the conversation after this. Um, so what I'd like to do, all my notes and everything I shared today is going to be in a Dropbox folder. And so if you have an email address, I want to pass this around. And so every resource that I've used to prepare today, um, my personal notes will be in that Dropbox folder. And if you want to put your email on here, I'll send you all those files after everything happens this weekend. So I'll just let that go around. So please write your name on that. That'd be great. All right. So let's do this. I was... As I was preparing, I, I remembered something that was shared with me a while back by one of our AG heads in Springfield, Missouri. And one of the things he recalled was uh, what our primary goal as an organization was way back in 1914 at the Second Assemblies of God General Council. They made this decision, they made this statement together, a resolution where they said, we commit ourselves and the movement to him for the greatest evangelism the world has ever seen. That was the commitment. From the very beginning, way back in 1914, as, as these guys got together, they thought, you know, what do we want this Assemblies of God thing to be about? Why are we here? And they said, we're here because of this. We want to be the greatest evangelism this world has ever seen. That's why we exist. And they carried it on where they passed another resolution seven years later in 1921 at, the, at another general council. And it was even more significant in history for the mission because it determined how we could fulfill that astounding declaration made in 1914. And they said this, it stipulated that our mission would be guided by New Testament practices. Among the six practices were listed were these. Number one, the Pauline example will be followed so far as possible by seeking out neglected regions where the gospel has not yet been preached, lest we build upon another's foundation. Coming from Romans 15.20. And then they also said, it shall be our purpose to seek to establish self-supporting, self-propagating, and self governing native churches. So this is from the very beginning. We want this to be the greatest evangelism the world has ever seen. We want to make sure that when we go, we're going to places that are neglected. They've never been touched. They've never been reached. And there's no opportunity for them to be reached unless somebody lays down their life and goes and reaches them. We want to get to them. And then he says, now we're not just going to do that, but we also got to make it so that we basically work ourselves out of a job. we got to do such a good job in that place that they become self-supporting, self-propagating, that they can do everything without me and I become unnecessary and I basically can go find a new place because they don't need me anymore. That's the purpose. That's why we do what we do. 
that we're not just here to make a name for ourselves, to make a stamp for who we are and make a legacy for ourselves. We're here to build the kingdom of God and infect our world for Jesus. And that's in every tribe, every tongue, every nation of the world. That we're not just saying, hey, it's, we're not just going to go here in Jerusalem, not just in Judea, not just in Samaria. We've got to reach out to the four corners of the world, especially the places that have never been reached. Um, I want to give to you this. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Dick Brogdon at all, or if you're familiar with uh, Live Dead. Um, a, he, Dick Brogdon, he's over an, uh, basically an arm of World Missions Department, which is called Live Dead. And Live Dead's been excellent in reaching untouched areas like Northern Africa and to the Middle East. And Dick Brogdon got together with a man named Al Johnson and another fellow named uh, Delon Rance. And they're all just these great thinkers within the Assemblies of God World Missions, uh, missions arm. And so what they did is they developed some definitions as to what is missions and what are the different terms that are being thrown out there and how do we understand them and recognize them together. And so I'll just let you guys pass these around. And I just want to go through some of them so it can help you understand where I'm coming from when I discuss mission. Um, One of the things that you'll see is it starts by saying uh, missio dei, which is Latin for mission of God, is the purpose and activity of God for the redemption of humankind. So missio dei is all that God does to build the kingdom. This is like the overarching umbrella here. Okay, That's Missio Dei, the mission of God. Now mission is everything that the church does that points toward the kingdom of God. This is the total assignment of the church of Jesus. The church has sent the themes of pilgrim or stranger, witness, prophet, servant, salt and light. Our mission means our committed participation as God's people at God's invitation and command here we are in God's own mission within the history of God's world for the redemption of God's creation. So we're all working together in mission to accomplish what God has said. The mission of God is to build the kingdom, the overarching thing. So we go in to what it means to be missional. So we got mission of God, you've got mission, you've got missional. Just to highlight a couple things, it says it's an adjective describing an activity of the church. And it's uh, that has the qualities or attributes of dynamics of mission. Um, But a proper understanding of missional begins with recovering a missionary understanding of God. By his very nature, God is a sent one who takes the initiative to redeem his creation. Because we are the sent people of God, the church is the instrument of God's mission in the world. So to be missional means to be sent into the world. We do not expect people to come to us. To be missional is to go out into the world, to go out into these places. Okay, so going out, missions then. You've got missional, now we've got missions. Missions is the spirit-empowered work of all the church to make disciples of the nations. And this is by sending apostolic bands or apostolic uh, commitment, committed people across cultural and linguistic barriers. This is really important across cultural and linguistic barriers in order to plant indigenous churches among unreached peoples. Now, this is where 
um, you really need clarification. When we start talking about terms like missionary, um, I think it needs to be important that uh, we understand that not everybody is a missionary, per se. We We all want to be missional, and we are all involved in missions in some sort, but we are not all missionaries. A missionary is someone that crosses linguistic barriers. They cross cultural barriers. They have to leave. Many times they're leaving their home. They're leaving everything they know to go into these places to learn enough about the culture, enough about the language so that they can share the message with that person. It's not the same as somebody coming even from another country and living in America and you getting to reach them. That person, praise God, you're involved in evangelism, which we'll get to here in a moment, but it's not missionary work because you're still in your own culture. You're still working in within your own language. It's different. Okay, and so I don't want to say everybody's a missionary because now we belittle what a missionary really is. We, won't, we don't want to let that lose its, its, its heart because it, if everybody's a missionary, then what happens within our churches is now people will just say, hey, I'm a missionary. Yeah, I'm a missionary. I'm a missionary. And then the idea of giving to missionaries or supporting missionary works, it just gets less and less a priority. Because we're all missionaries anyway, right? And so, looking at evangelism, we're all involved in evangelism. You know, with evangelism, we're trying to create a presence in a community and witness to unbelievers. We're trying to, number two, proclaim the good news and then we're seeing that hey, hopefully we're persuading women and men to accept Jesus. And then having them, when they've received Christ, we're helping them participate in following Jesus and service and good works and building up fellow believers. And then finally, the whole cycle turns around to where they're doing it themselves and they're propagating the gospel. They're sharing with people as well. And so you have that in evangelism and that happens right here where we're at. That happens in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Uh, now, the last one, though, it says cross-cultural evangelism. That's where we're taking a step beyond. We're saying these are the people that are going beyond linguistic barriers, beyond cultural barriers. And they're going to places where, you know, in here, you, when you read it, it refers to those called to set aside their own culture, to take on the culture of a specific group of people who, you know, whether, they're not going to be of the same group. They're not going to be the same people group, tribe, language. It's going to be different. But you're doing everything you can to get in their world in order to communicate the gospel and plant the church with them. And so I lay these out because I, I think it, I, it's a great danger if everybody is a missionary. It's a great danger if we lose what is missions, what is the AG about. This isn't about uh, establishing ourselves or, or just feeling good about doing evangelism and making it sound good here. It's about saying, okay, who are still untouched that haven't had an opportunity to hear, and what are we going to do about it? We need to send missionaries. We need to go and make this a priority. And so with that, let's do this. I want to jump into, as a church or as, you know, as a, um, I don't know where you sit. Maybe you're involved in leadership of some sort within your church. Uh, But when it comes to missionary selection, um, missionary selection is so, so important. Because I, I've sat in meetings and I've even heard it where um, there was one, I had one missionary tell me that he sat down in a meeting and there was a missions board and there was five missionaries and they were all facing the missions board and the mission board said, 
Today, we're going to pick one. All of you have five minutes to give us your, your, tell us about your ministry, and then we will pick one of you. Go. And, you know, that kind of stuff right there just drives me crazy. Because really, it sounds more like a business decision. It sounds more like, how can my money work best for me? You know, what do we, you know, and what we've got to realize that this is much more than a business decision. This is all about being led by the Spirit of God. And what is God speaking to us as a church? You know, how are we laying out the goals for our church? And, and when we look at the untouched areas of our world, okay, how are we going to get to that place? And I really think we've got to look at, and I would encourage you to even challenge the missionaries that you're with. How does the missionaries that we're with, that we're supporting right now, and the ones that are coming, how does how do what they're doing contribute to the great goal of reaching every tribe for Jesus? Are we, just con- are we just going to places that have already been, in a sense, reached, where there's a lot of things already happening, there's already a great established church? Or are we saying, hey, I've got to get to that place somehow. I've got to go to that region. Um, there are missionaries within Ohio. I love that. I don't know if you're familiar with Brad Walls. Brad Walls is a missionary, and he's been in Latin America for years, and he's in areas that we would consider reached in a sense that, I'll clarify it, when I say unreached, what I mean is if we went outside the walls of this building today, we would go into a community where there are lost people everywhere. And when we're talking with lost people, they need people to share the gospel message with them. I don't, I don't belittle that at all. They need someone to get in their world. But praise God that we're here. Praise God that there's a church that's here in this community. Praise God that there's believers. You can go to bookstores and find Bibles. You can get in radio broadcasts and hear about Jesus. You can find all kinds of resources and access to Jesus. But if I were to take you to the northern mountains of Laos and put a backpack on you and hike you into the mountains, I could take you to tribe after tribe, village after village, that none of them have ever heard about Jesus. They have no Bibles, they have no access, there are no believers, there are no churches, and the only way they're ever going to hear is if somebody somewhere lays down their life, gets into their community, learns their culture, learns their language so that they can hear the message. And they may even deny it, but that's unreached. When I talk unreached, I'm talking about people like that that are in places where there is no access. And it's estimated that 42% of our world is considered unreached. And so people like Brad Walls, though, they're in places that are considered reached. And what's great about Brad is he's now mobilizing the the church of Argentina and all the churches around Latin America saying, look, we need to establish a missions body that's saying that's sending their own people now to these places that are unreached. So everybody's involved in this great task of we have got to finish the race. We've got to finish it that no one is left untouched without ever hearing the name of Jesus. And so we've got to ask ourselves when we look at the people that we're partnering with, those that we're contributing to, you know, I would ask the hard questions. I would ask the hard questions, you know, how is what you're doing contributing to reaching every last tribe for Jesus? How is what your work, how is that contributing to that great cause? And I think that we've got to challenge ourselves and we've got to be strategic about it because there are people dying without ever having the opportunity here even one time. And that can't happen anymore. Not in our generation. And so 
being goal-focused and asking ourselves, you know, what, you know, how are we contributing to that? And I would even say, how are we, when we look and we make an, a decision of deciding, you know, how am I going to support this person or this person and making that selection, I would even ask the hard question of, you know, how are you contributing to that indigenous church concept where that, that church is one day going to be self-propagating? That church is one day going to be self-supporting. Are we going in and becoming a crutch that, they, that they're going to lean on for ages? Or are we going in and helping them get off the crutch and learn how they can do it on their own? And that needs to be how we think as far as... Because if one area is doing it on their own now, praise God, let's go to the next one. Let's go to the one that has nothing. That it, let's just keep moving. Let's keep pushing that we would be the greatest evangelism that the world has ever seen. So, you know, just some thoughts on, on a relationship with missionaries. Um, you know, I think that what we can do, I, I would encourage you to have grace with your missionaries as far as clear communication and understanding. It's, it's a lot like a marriage. Um, you know, we all have issues in our marriages. We all have to work on communicating properly. And, and we're all people. Missionaries, we're just people. And we... Um, I would like to say that I'm the best at sending out newsletters. I'm not. <laughs> I'd like to say I'm the best at sending out a video. I'm not. But I can tell you when I get an email or an email from any church around, I'm the first one that I'm going to respond immediately and give them all the information they're asking, and I'll communicate clearly what's going on. But a lot of times, guys are just busy. They are pushing hard, and they're having to do the work of a pastor or the you know who knows what kind of uh, work that they're doing where they're at, but then they've got to also come along and now communicate everything to all their supporters. So aside from working on the field and having a family and help and helping raise a family, now I've got to also take this on as well. And so I would just encourage you to have grace. Have grace with your missionaries. Be an encouragement. I can't tell you how awesome it is to get a box in the mail. <laughs> uh, a box in the mail. It may not even be anything we need. <laughs> but and there's those churches out there. It'll just all of a sudden a box will show up out of nowhere. And uh, my wife, she has a gluten allergy. I mean, severe gluten allergy. She cannot have gluten. So there are certain things churches would send us boxes of gluten-free food. I mean, I can't tell you how much that meant. And when you do even little things like that, what you're doing for your church is you're gathering a bunch of people together saying, how can we help increase our relationship with these missionaries? Hey, they've got these needs. Hey, everybody can go out and buy some gluten-free pasta together. Let's go and buy some gluten-free pasta so that we can help that missionary over there. You know, finding creative ways that we can create that uh, relationship with the missionary is crucial because it not only encourages them, but it also strengthens the heart and the vision for missions back at your home church. And uh, it, it's just beautiful how it works. And so, I mean, I've done things when it comes to engaging with churches. I've been a part of Skype calls in the middle of a service uh, where I'm doing a five-minute window, but I'm doing it from Laos. I mean, there's possibilities where missionaries, they can do, you don't even have to pay them to come in. I mean, you don't even have to, the pastor doesn't even have to worry about paying the money out. They just do a Skype call with the missionary, and now you've got a missions window, and your church is encouraged by a guy that's on the front lines as they're speaking. I mean, it's cool things like that where you can have small group meetings, um, but I, I think that creating out-of-box opportunities like Skype calling can really help the church see things in a different perspective. 
um, and I can't give you all the, the great ideas. I, I don't have all of them, but I've seen different things like that happen where... Uh, sorry, did you have... Uh, I was in the I'm from Colombia. From Colombia, he's my wife. But uh, this happened. I was mentioning in Jango, Ecuador. Um, something something happened. I I can speak with my family for three weeks. My first story. Um, the first thing when I see him the Facebook when I am when I am here is. Only one thing, only one, one text in Facebook to say, how are you been? Mm. It's really, it's really important. Mm. Because I was in the dev jungle, and you know, you don't have many things. But this happened also, it's just only one, hey, how are you been? This, this thing yeah. so simple, is a main my day. It's, you don't need it, you don't need it made a lot of things. It's only one thing. Mm, it's good. Yeah. Facebook message. Uh, I know Joe and, and them at, uh, at Liberty Assembly of God. I mean, they, these guys helped us out. They, they brought our family in and blessed us for Christmas. I mean, blessed my whole family. I, it's fun, so cool for the kids. You pull up and they think they're there for a missions service and and then all these presents are thrown at their feet, and they're going, what in the world? I mean, it's just cool stuff like that. Thinking outside the box, how can we be an encouragement, a blessing, and involve the whole body in it at the same time? Um, I, you know, if, if you have any other thoughts or questions on that, let's, uh, on relationship, just, you know, I'd love to talk more with you about it later. Uh, but I think really the biggest thing I wanted to jump into would be the financial engagement and how we engage with a missionary financially. Um, this is, a, this is a, a hot topic because there's so many different trends out there and how we can support missionaries and how that looks. Um, and this is where I think we can even touch on what shouldn't we do. Um, you know, how do we convey the mission's needs to our church is a, is a big concern, is, a, is super important. You know, uh, really a lack of missions giving, I, especially because you've got the younger generation, you've got the older generation. The older generation has been a part of giving to missions for years. Now you've got new believers and younger generation coming up where um, they, they haven't been a part of it like the older generation has. And I really don't think that it's that the younger generation doesn't want anything to do with giving on a monthly basis or giving emissions, I really think it begins with us as leaders, how are we conveying the need around the world? Are we really conveying to them that missions is worth our life? Are we really conveying to them that this is a cause to die for? Because I think the young generation, you'll see, you've seen it in the news, they're passionate about a lot of things. I mean, goodness, they are passionate. They're emotional. (laughs) I mean, they... They are there, and if you can tell them and show them how missions is a cause to die for, I can tell you, you're going to find a whole generation that's going to buy into it and jump right on board with you. But we've got to be willing to show them, look, even by, we've got to set the example ourselves, look, I'm willing to give, I'm willing to give this much to go. I'm willing to go on that mission trip to check it out. We're going to have this prayer meeting tonight because we're just going to pray our hearts out for these people and what they're going through in that missions area. You know, I, we've got to figure out, okay, how can we be an example for the next generation? And uh, 
one of those things that I've noticed is there's a lot of people that there's, and I'll give you two different ways that people give. You've got ways that people give. uh, One is to projects and one is monthly support. And there are churches nowadays where it, a lot of people are leaning towards the project side of things where I, I can talk about um, girls being trafficked and people are going to give money to it quickly. And so we're just going to take on a project like that. And it, it's almost like it's, let me just get a quick fix for missions and I can, we can do the project. And then you've got missionaries overseas where we're relying on monthly support. If we don't get monthly support, we're off the field. <laughs> and uh, if all we're doing, though, is trying to find the quick fix and giving the quick option of the project, then we're going to see 20 years from now a generation that rises up only giving to projects and never giving to missionaries, and missionaries are going to disappear because we're only focusing on the quick fix of feeling good, looking good, sounding good by giving to the project. And so I think it's an either-or thing. Or it's not an either-or thing, it's a, it's a both-and We've got to do both of these things because a project can greatly help a missionary. I've been a a recipient of, uh, there was a church in Ohio that supported us in a massive way in this last year where they built a whole cafe for an English school that we have. They built a kitchen. They built a, I mean, they really took on this project, but it was a need that we really had. Um, I can say some churches will come in with projects, project ideas that they've conjured up on their own. And they'll say, hey, we're going to do this project. How can we do that with you? And, I mean, I, I, it drives me crazy because, honestly, I just go, I'd love the $10,000 you want to invest. In fact, we could reach a lot of people the $10,000 you want to invest, but not in the way you want to do it. It's not going to work. And uh, the problem with we can't pigeonhole the missionary. We've got to trust the missionary to know that they're on the ground for the reason and that because they've been on the ground, they understand the situation and the context that they're in. If we want to help support a missionary in a project sense, I would find a missionary that really has the heartbeat of your church and get behind him and say, hey, how can we be a blessing to you? We really want to just take you on for this year in a special project. Beyond that missions giving that we give you every month, we want to support you in a project. What, would, what do you need? And that church this last year did that for us. And I was, just, I was able to tell them, hey, we can reach students if we've got this cafe going. Hey, we, can do, and we were able to lay it all out together and walk through it together. And so you saw a whole church grow in the relationship with us. And you also saw how we benefited. Not only were they given financially in a monthly basis, but they were giving through a project. So, and then I could go all day about those things, but uh, we'll just keep moving on here. There's also... Uh, Individual support versus church support. Um, there's, a, there's also a growing trend where there's a lot of missionaries that um, they'll come through your church. And it, if you're a missionary, you're thinking of being a missionary one day, um, there's this idea of I go in, I'm raising money. Oh, but so-and-so has come up to me and asked me if they can give to me on a monthly basis. This is outside of the church, outside of the pastor. And um, I think that and missionaries are desperately wanting monthly support. They're desperately trying to get that support so they can get back to the field. Um, I, what we've done is we've encouraged people, rather than um, taking on their individual support, I encourage people to go through the church and that because there's accountability, number one, going through the church, and 
when we're all doing it together and, and we're committed to giving missions money to the church, it, the church provides an accountability as to who they support. The church is going to be in contact with those missionaries and is figuring out, okay, are they really doing what they say they're doing? Are they really reaching people? Um, and so what we've got to do is we've got to be careful with the people that are wanting to just go in and, and pick up a missionary, an individual. I would communicate with the missionaries that come in to your churches and tell them, if somebody comes to you, an individual comes to you and wants to support you, ask them first to give above and beyond what they're already giving to the church. Give above and beyond, because we don't want to undercut the church. Um, Because the church, pastors are going to come and go. Um, But if the church picks up 20 missionaries, let's, let's just say this church supports 20 missionaries, and their pastor's friends or they're close to the pastor and the pastor leaves... Um, usually, most, most always, that church, though, will continue to support those missionaries. Um, now, if it's an individual, I, I get so many commitments that fluctuate with individuals. It comes and goes. Um, and, you know, people go through financial hardships. They have struggles. Things happen. Um, and so it's hard to keep the individual funds. So I, I would encourage people in your church to give towards the church's missions fund because that's some of the most stable funding. And a lot of times, even if the individuals aren't giving as much anymore, the church will take from the general fund to continue to help fund those missionaries because they know what's going on in the field and they know that those missionaries need it. Um, so that's just one thought. Um, let me just throw this out there, though. Uh, this would be another under-financial engagement. Supporting national workers versus supporting missionaries on the ground. Um, some people like to give money just to people that are on the ground in that country. So maybe uh, Lao National uh, comes to you and says, hey, we've got this church plant in Laos, and I want you to come and support us. We're, we're reaching all these people. Can you pick us up for support? And you might go, well, this is great. We don't even have to worry about, you know, going through the missionary or going through the AG. We can just give directly to them. And I have seen more people corrupted and more people fall through funding of foreigners to Lao nationals because it never went through a proper pipeline of accountability, a proper pipeline of people that can say, okay, look, I'm going to make sure you're using the money the way you said you're going to use the money. Um, we had a, I know of a church, it's funny, there's this church where when the Methodists are coming, they'll put up the Methodist sign. <laughs> when the Presbyterians are coming, they'll, they'll take down the Methodist sign, they put up the Presbyterian sign. And so, it's so funny because they know how to work it. <laughs> they, and, hey, I, I give it to them. They need money, they need funding. Hey, they figured out a way. But what we don't realize is they're just working us. <laughs> and I see as a missionary, I can see that I know they don't need it. I've seen one pastor, he's taken in so much money, he has the best house on the street. He's got the best motorbike in the village. He's supporting not only his whole family, which he pulled from the outside villages and brought them into his house, but now he's telling the people that are giving, I've pulled all these people in from these dark corners of the area, and, and they're just... They're struggling. They're, in, they're uh, high-risk people for uh, the prostitution industry. They're at risk, so we've brought them into our home. They're just as family members. <laughs> I mean, but I can see that from afar because I know the situation. 
I, I want to encourage you to trust the missionary that's right there, that's been on the ground for long term. We can trust them. They see what's happening. They know how things work. And I, I would encourage you to, if there's people that give to missions within your church, but they're giving in a different way and not through the church, I would encourage them to consider the accountability that comes through a missionary that's on the ground. Um, they can really provide an eye that we can't see from here. <laughs> um, so I, I've thrown out a lot there. I, I would say, you know, if you've got, um, uh, if there, I would recommend this book to you just in general because it can help when it comes to um, when it comes to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, wherever you're helping. If you've never heard of it, it's called When Helping Hurts um, by Steve Corbet and Brian Fickert. When Helping Hurts is the name. Great book and talking about how can we help in situations around the world. How can we help even out our own back door when we're wanting to reach people. Um, but on the line of prayer, and I'll finish with this, um, there's a great church in Midland, Michigan that I, I love going to. They um, they've got this set up where they do a global prayer night once a month on a Monday night. And what they'll do is they've printed out these massive maps that would take up more space in the ground than this room. And it's, all, it's the whole world in black outlines. And then they've got the names and pictures of every missionary they support on these maps. And they lay them out on the ground. And everybody comes in on that Monday night prayer night and they just intercede over these missionaries. And what they've done before that meeting is they've been in contact with us as missionaries overseas going, okay, what are your needs? And so they then place all the needs of the missionaries next to their pictures all across these boards. And they take up a massive room in an auditorium that they have, and they just intercede their heart out. I mean, that has been an awesome night to be a part of, for one. I walk in, I just go, wow, these people are just giving everything they have. Because really, you got to understand, we... We don't look, people, it's one of the worst, for me, I can't stand when I walk into a church and they go, the heroes have arrived, the missionaries are here. And you just go, man, we're just like normal everyday people. We're just a bunch of sinners saved by grace like everybody else. And it just so happens that we've been called to go overseas and that's where we're working. And so, but you're just so humbled when you get to see, wow, we're all in this together. That it isn't about one couple, it isn't about a hero it's about all of us saying we have got to finish the race we're all in this together and i can tell you one of the first things that happened to me when i when i became a missionary 10 years ago is a missionary from ohio that you would know if i gave his name came to me in tears one day and he just said to me zach i want you to know this missionary life is very very lonely just in tears and he said just, rem- just know it's lonely. If you ever need anything, call me. And uh, I can tell you, it's true. It's extremely lonely. Um, you just, and it's hard because when you do come back to the States, you want to convey or you want people to understand what you've been through or what you're going through, where you've been. And, and nobody can truly understand everything that you've gone through. But when you can be a part of a prayer meeting like that, and you can see how everyone's like, wow, we're behind you. We're right here with you. It changes everything. And they actually involve, they call their missionaries that they know are nearby. And they say, hey, come and be a part of the prayer meeting. Um, I've seen churches send out DVDs, a video of their church praying for the missionary. And then they send it to the missionaries so, they can, so that the missionaries can see the, 
that people are praying for them. Um, uh, you know, there's, there's so many different ways you can do it, but I would encourage you to even think, you know, you know, when you think about missions and you think about how can I make a difference or a project, you know, sometimes you can't go into areas and do a typical building project like everybody else, but you can go into really untouched areas and you can just go and pray. You can have a prayer missions trip. And that may not sound as rewarding or sound as great and glorious, but I can tell you it means a whole lot to the missionary when you say, look, we don't have any agenda. We just want to come and pray over your, over your area, pray over your region, partner with you in prayer, and intercede. I, that would make a world of difference. Um, you know, just trying to think of other ways that we can engage in prayer, that we can engage in a relationship, that we can properly engage financially, these can help in so many ways if we're thinking through these things. So I threw out a lot there. Um, we are almost at the dot there. Um, are, are, is it 1230 we're supposed to finish? Yeah, to hey, let's, let's do that. Um, I just offer a couple of resources. Um, one will speak against the one question. Uh, there's a website uh, called Wide Open Missions. Yes. That is... Uh, Produced by some of World Missions, and uh, it lists all of the opportunities for short-term missions, anywhere from a year to two or three mm. years. Under a year is like a maps we call maps, uh, which is basically a volunteer, and then uh, missionary associate would be up to two or three years. But it lists all of those, and so somebody that's interested in missions. Another good prayer resource is something called Operation World. Yeah. And uh, there's actually a website. You get a lot of information there. There's a you can buy a book on uh, Amazon or hard copy, and you can find every country in the world listed with the demographic information, the the religious affiliations, and specific prayer requests. So if you want to, if you want to say, hey, we're supporting mm. a missionary and in uh, Bolivia, we don't really know much about that country. You could go to Operation World. You could find out a lot of good information would help you to have a, a very powerful prayer time about Bolivia. In addition to praying for the missionaries' needs, you could do that for Laos or yep. whatever. So, just Absolutely. want to mention this couple of reasons. Oh, that's awesome! Perfect. And I, I would say too. I, I went on. A, I don't know if you ever heard of Joshua Project. Um, excellent resource for giving you an idea of the unreached task that's at hand, the unreached people at hand. Um, and uh, I went on, and they had this resource. They have so many resources on there, but this is just ideas for developing missions vision. Um, I mean, just they have tons of resources like this, where it's 10 mission resource sites, 10 missions news sites, 10 missions training sites, 10 mission opportunity sites. I mean, along with these, there are resources out there that, can help your church grab hold of missions in a new way, in a new fervor and passion. Um, you know, as, as you have that, that opportunity, you know, number one, if we want to convey the passion for missions, we have got to get before the Lord, and we've got to get His heart. I mean, Jesus, was, Jesus left heaven and came to earth in the greatest mission of all time, to live and die for us. And that's what we need to be all about. We've got to have that same passion, that same fervor that we would live to die for people as well. And that's every tribe, every nation, and every tongue. And uh, so I, I just want to encourage you, get before the Lord and get His heart for this. 
be that agent of change within your church and within the believers around you that would inspire them to not just think about Jerusalem, not just Judea and Samaria, but how can we finish this great global task of the 42% that are unreached, of those that are never heard? How can we do that together? So let's do this. What, what kind of questions might you have? We got a few minutes. Praise the Lord. That was of God. <laughs> How can I help? So, I don't know, I love, I just know that some countries, I don't ever imagine. Do you send a box and it's no cost to the missionary? Because I know if I have the family from Nicaragua, when yeah. I pay to send it there, and when they get it, they have to pay to pick it up. And so I just, in Laos, you can pick it up for free, or no? I just no, I, I, I can't pick it up for free, but it's not super expensive to us. I mean, because I don't want, you know what I'm saying? Like, that sounds like a great idea, but then if you don't send funds for, like, you know what I mean? If it was a bad month for you, yeah, and then you have to, great, I got this box I can't pick up. <laughs> you know, I don't want, I would just, I mean, what are some, I would say this, if, it can't really surprise you then. True, true, you know, I would say this, if it got, if it got that bad, the, the AG would probably have us off the field anyway. I mean, the AG, yeah, and, and the AG does such a great job in, giving the funding you need when you need it, and if you don't, if you can't do it any longer, they'll bring you back, but, I mean, really, it's not that expensive in Laos, and you know, I, uh, it is, I mean, those people are going to be writing me anyway, what's your address, oh, yeah. and well, so. You'll know, so you can, they would maybe be able to send the 50 bucks or whatever it is to pick it up. Sure, if, you know, that would be a great help, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes there's people that want to do personal things for missionaries, but not supporting them mm. outside of the church, and um, we, we have come to find out there's a special account. Is it 09 or something like that? that oh, yeah. still go through the church. There's still the accountability, but it would go right to you. Like if you needed a refrigerator or a right. or things that right. you need for your living. Um, that's a great thing to mention. We found that out, and that's been helpful. No, and that that's that's good to note, too. Within the Assemblies of God World Missions Organization, you, the money that a missionary gets from a service or from monthly support an honorarium or anything like that usually goes straight to what they call the double O account, which is their work funds. Um, aside from that, there's also another account called the O9, which is meant just for personal or special gifts. And so if you want to bless a missionary and maybe they have a need like a refrigerator or something that hey, they just, or maybe you just want to bless them for Christmas, you want to do something special, you can send it to their O9 account it's tax deductible. I mean, it, you can do it through the church. You can do it through the AGWM websites. Uh, but that's also another way where you can be blessed to a missionary where uh, otherwise the other funds are going directly to, directly to work. It's, it's designated for certain things, whereas the 09 is simply here's personal money. Use it how you want to use it. So that's their account number with the 09 left. It would be, and you know, if, if you wanted to send a check to a missionary with the 09 in mind, I would send the check and then in the memo or a small note, just, just specifically mention this is for their 09 personal account. Right. We put their number, their name, mm-hmm. you know, where they're at, and then tell them for personal account only. Perfect. And it's always gotten, you know, to that. That's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, I know that stuff is huge. Zach, I've got a question. Uh, you're a missionary. You've been a missionary 10 years. By the time you're 20 years, 25 years, you're going to have lots of friends in churches, and, <laughs> and you're going to get lots of support. Your support's going to grow. Uh, would there ever be a cap put on your personal salary, or can you basically get paid as much as 
you can raise? You know, that's a, that's a great question. I don't think that they've ever... I mean, I've been given the same amount since, as far as salary since uh, day one. So that's always stayed the same. It's, you know, when we get funding and, and church support, that just, again, goes in that double O account, which is strictly meant for work. And so as you're given more, goodness, now I've got this, this, uh, this overabundance where we're able to do more on the field than we've ever been able to do before. And so um, a lot of times we have to ask a church, can you do this project for us? Or we have this project, but hey, if our double O is healthy and we're getting a lot of funding, I don't even need to go to the project side. I can say, we already have that money here. Let's use it and let's run with it. And so, um, you know, again, I guess that would, um, that would strictly go to encourage the monthly giving. I mean, it's just, I can't under, it rolls over. It rolls over. I mean, so. Yeah. Want these guys to know. Yeah. So missionaries uh, compensation is set, and uh, you, you uh, you'll be happy to know that part of the budget does include some retirement benefit, so that if they spend their yep. whole lives on the mission field and become retired, that they're not indigent, indigent, and that's a good thing. <laughs> uh, but, but that their salary structure is all bud- budgeted, and so. Uh, you know, missionaries are, are I'll just say, modestly compensated uh, on the salary side. And uh, if that's one benefit of being part of a, a movement that has missionaries you can support is that there's a high-level accountability and, uh, they're, you know, they're fairly compensated, certainly, and adequately, but, but a missionary is not going to get wealthy. And so as you're supporting missionaries, you never have, never have to fear that at some point you're mm. having somebody's uh, retirement villa uh, <laughs> in the Alps. Okay. Villa in the Alps. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all highly monitored. That's good. And, uh, as, they, as they age as veterans, they do get more compensation. And mm. As they have children, there's mm. extra uh, then written into their budgets. But I think that's important to know because a lot of times folks don't really know how that side of the budget is structured. And yeah, that's great. That's done in a way. That's great. So, yeah. No, I, yeah, Joe. Uh, I have a follow-up to her question, and then uh, I had a question for you. Yeah. Uh, when we served in Ethiopia, we had churches that literally came out and said, hey, we're going to send you a box. Mm. Uh, the question was, does it cost you anything to get out of the post office? And what mm. we had to do was, we went to the post office and said, how much is it to get a box out? And they gave us the amount, so we very nicely said to the churches. There you, you know, go. You're more than welcome to send boxes, but please know they cost us... 25 U.S. dollars to get it out. Mm. What would happen is the box would come, and then in our double O account, there would be an extra $100 in there, specifically earmarked to get it out. Of That's office. awesome. That's beautiful. That's so helpful. And then the question I had was, um, uh, you had said earlier that, uh, and I've seen it too, that uh, churches and individuals are in this generation now are geared more towards uh, projects and mm. causes rather than supporting a missionary in a good place, sending a missionary to the field to keep uh, just maybe just in your opinion, what are some ways that we can convey to our congregations that a lot of the projects and things that we want to support don't happen unless there is a missionary on the ground to actually execute it? Yeah, no, I mean, it, again, it's just, there's got to be a, a, an awareness that's raised. I mean, we've got to be passionately just conveying it to them. Um, you know, we could do projects all day, 
But if there's not a missionary in the ground that can follow up with the project that's there, even if the project does something great, where are the people that benefit from it going to turn to? I mean, how, what, what's that going to result in? And uh, so if we've got people, though, that are on the ground that are there to follow up on this project that we've been contributing to, hey, wow, now, this is, now we're really working together. Um, it's a both and. And so, um, you know, I, I love, you know, and it's just, this may be help, it may not, but I mean, on my phone, I've even got, I've got a Live Dead app. I've got a, a Joshua Project Unreached app. Um, and these kind, of, these kind of resources are great even for the younger generation to say, hey, hey every day when you're going to read your Bible and you're going to do your devotion, why don't you take a moment and open up that Joshua Project app and you'll see that while today, let's see, uh, the Today's People group is the Giang, the Giang people in China um, and they're unreached. It gives a people summary all about them. It talks all about this particular tribe, the obstacles. All right, now let's pray for them. Hey, we, it just so happens we've got missionaries in China. We support that missionary that's over there. You know, and if we can just continue to help engage the younger generation that, hey, this is, we're, we're right there with them. We're praying with them. We're together in this. Um, we're passionate about it. If they can see it in us, if they can see us giving it all on this side as well, I think that kind of stuff just becomes contagious. Um, and so a lot of, you know, I, again, I think these guys, they have, they want a cause to die for. They want something they can give everything for. And a lot of times it ends up being the projects because it's so easy. It's so easy to give to that relief fund or to that. And, hey, I, I checked the missionary box. But if they can understand that there are people over there making a lifetime of impact because they're laying their lives down on the ground every day and we can contribute and help them do that, um, they'll see that it's not just a one-time thing, but it's a lifetime thing. And uh, if we can convey that and that information. Yeah. How does uh, the local church sending a short-term team to work with that project in unison with the long-term mission? How does that play out? How does that affect you? Have you received teams in Laos from yeah. local churches? Uh, you know, two weeks a month to oh, yeah. do a project with you. How does that bless you? What are some of the hardships with that? What does local church need to keep in mind? Yeah, you know, and it... it it kind of changes by region and location and what the project might be. But for Lao, in our context, you're talking about a communist government. Uh, I can only take so many people in so it doesn't look suspicious. Um, and so, but I'm a huge proponent for short-term trips. I'm a, I'm a product of short-term trips. I'm on the field because I went to northern India, got to hike in the mountains and see unreached people in northern India and go, I'm going to do this the rest of my life because if they're unreached and never heard, then somebody's got to do something about it. And so that's how I was exposed. And so um, I think a lot of times the short-term trips, it does a whole lot more for the people that go than it does for the missionaries on the ground. And I, I say that in a, in a humorous way because really you walk away going, man, my life has changed, and now I want to go be an advocate for this back home. And so um, I think you just got to be careful, talk with the missionary, what, is, what can we do, what can't we do while we're with you? Because I... Don't you come to Lao? Don't bring your T-shirts that all say Calvary Church. You know, you know it, we're all doomed when you do that. You know, don't don't post it on social media. Don't you know? There's all these things that you got to look at for where we're at. Uh, but it changes. It changes by region. But really, I think I can't overestimate. Or I can't overstate the idea that we've got to ask the missionary, "What do you need? 
what do you need? Because if we can find out how to best be a blessing to him and not just fulfill the, the desire we have to be missional, but we're saying, how can we serve you? It changes everything. Because they, it takes a load off of me as a missionary too. Because if I know these 10 people are coming and they're expecting to do this one thing, but then that thing falls through, what am I going to do with that team when they come? <laughs> you know? And so uh, finding out what we can do together and working together um, it, it makes all the difference. So hopefully that helps answer the question. Yeah. Any other thoughts? We've got a minute. <laughs> I'm just going to share, we really help our people to understand that the principle's already been set forth in the Word of God in mm. the and offerings. So yeah. That's what we're asking of them, but we also want to conduct our church and lead that way. So our projects yeah. are our offering, mm. but the monthly giving is our tithe. And so mm. we just make sure they understand those two cannot really be separated. Cool. Um, you know, and it's just a climate that you know, we start in. Also, we told our team when the missionary, our attitude is how high do you want us to jump and when do we land? Mm. That's it when we go over. Um, That's great. That's great. We're there to serve, period. Not to orchestrate or not, you know, to dictate anything. If we don't have the servant's heart when we're going, we're already behind. Yeah. And so, you know, and then when you have that attitude, most of the time, you are overly blessed more than you feel you gave mm, because yep. you're, you have already set yourself up. Absolutely. You really serve, so. Come on. It's good. Well, hey, let, let's pray. Lord, we're just so thankful, God, that we have an opportunity to reach people who've never heard about Jesus. That, Lord, we do have this opportunity to be a part of the Assemblies of God and the greatest evangelism the world has ever seen. So, Lord, I pray that... God, even in these conversations we have here today and for the rest of this afternoon, God, and when we go home, God, I pray that you would give us strategic ways, God, planted into our hearts by your Holy Spirit, God, opportunities for us to reach the world. How can we help the missionaries? How can we engage the unreached, God? Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and equip us with everything we need to finish the task. We desperately want to see your name exalted in every tribe, every nation, and every tongue. So Lord, do what you need to do in our hearts. Change us so that this world will hear about Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.